together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week we are discussing Season 2, Episode 10, The Inheritance, written by Lisa Albert, Marty Noxon, and Matthew Weiner, and directed by Andrew Bernstein. This episode originally aired on October 5th, 2008. The hit movies that week were a new number one film, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, which I sort of remember, Eagle Eye, which dropped from number one to number two, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, still a gem of a movie. Yeah, some listeners might know, my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the hit song that week, after being dethroned last week, T.I.'s Whatever You Like, was back, leading the digital download sales. This week on Mad Men, Ego, Family, and Legacy are all at play when Peter and Trudy consider adoption, Betty and Don take a trip to visit an ailing Jean Hofstad, and The Office celebrates a new crane on the way. I should have said Aww. The Office celebrates... The stork bringing a new crane. That's what I should have said, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, missed opportunities. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, should we start with uh, old Peter and Trudy? <sighs> I love Trudy so much. Just as I was saying, uh, I was like yelling at the TV, how can anyone say no to Trudy? And Pete goes, do your parents just think I say no to you all the time? But seriously, though. It feels like it. And he's a butthead about it, too. He, oh, I, it's like Pete sucks. We all know this. But it's like these little things that he does that make me more mad than, like, the things that you would think would be, like, a bigger ticket item. <laughs> the way, um, let me, let me, let me pull out specifically what was really <laughs> irking me. Oh, when he's like, well, now you're just making me feel bad. And she's like, uh, like, I'm sorry that you don't want to take me on your cool adventure. So I'm going to make myself alternative plans because we have no responsibilities. We're literally talking about how we do not have any children. Like, yeah, I'm going to go do something else fun while you're doing something else fun. It's not to make you feel bad. It's to entertain myself. What are you talking about? And then when he says, like, why do you insist on making me angry right before mm. I go to bed? Sir. For one, I bet this is the most that you pay attention to her all day long. So if she needs to have a conversation with you, it's going to have to be right now. And, like, it's not about you. I'm not doing this to you. Like, this is a thing that is happening to us as a couple. And, like, it's not supposed to make you mad. Oh, I just hate it. <laughs> no, everything, everyone else's success, everyone else's feelings, everyone else being hurt, everyone else being slighted, anyone else being a person of agency separate from him is somehow an insult to P. Campbell. He's awful. And, like, the, it just, like, another, like, when later when he accidentally, well, it's not really an accident, he just, I don't think, knows he's not supposed to, tells... Sheila that Paul's going to LA he literally shrugs he like looks directly at her and is like Burp. <laughs> okay I'm going to lunch now <laughs> even Cosgrove is like let's go find something else to put in your mouth bud oh <laughs> which Sick is a burn. great line it's loved great it so line. much <laughs> sorry it was such a good line um, it really and he's just grinning like he doesn't have a fucking care in the world like P you just just stepped in it it's fine i just <laughs> uh he just exhausts me he really um, is very exhausting but like you can see 
why he is exhausted and because like his whole entire family is terrible exhausting <laughs> he is a needy needy boy uh and it, admittedly i should be more empathetic because people are needy because they need something they don't have sure. something but at the same time he chooses to just be the worst possible person about it so <laughs> i know uh, so he's meeting with his brother, Bud. They're talking about, you know, financial stuff, especially with the mother. She should have had a lot of money saved up because she comes from money, right? Yes, I believe so. And But their father was, who has a name of old money, but is terrible with it, basically made sure she would not be taken care of. So they had to do some finagling. More importantly, in this conversation, I finally realized that their wives are named Trudy and Judy. Because <laughs> they have to be, like, they have to be the thing. They have to be the one thing that their parents wanted them to be. They had to marry these women. <laughs> the women had to be the thing. Like, they are just copy and paste of. <laughs> it just weirded me out when I noticed it. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Um, the adoption thing comes up again a couple times, and it's clear clearly bothering Pete. Oh, and the whole, like, it's someone else's child, it's not my child thing comes up a lot, and it's, like, clearly a line that they've just heard from their his parents. But well, I, yeah, because that's about having, like, a blood heir. Yeah. Mrs. Campbell threatens to exclude Pete if he actually goes through with it. But I love this line that Trudy says, because, again, Trudy is a precious, precious gem. She says, we're not related by blood and you love me. And then she makes that face. And you're just, I want to protect her in a bubble away from Pete. I, that makes me profoundly sad. So I'm like, does he, though? Or like, this is what you believe like love is like she truly believes that he loves her and he it's a hard life out here for 60s housewives i mean it really is <laughs> and i think out of a lot of the women that we've encountered so far in the show she's probably still the best at like handling him and getting him getting mm -hmm. what she wants but it's still it's a lot of work on her part, and it still doesn't always work out how she would prefer to be in a healthy manner. It would feel better. It would be, in like a broader sense, it would be sadder. But I would feel better about it if she was conscious of her whole situation mm -hmm. and was doing like real manipulations like yeah she's really really good at like handling him and getting what she wants but i would feel better about it if she was just outright manipulating him with full knowledge of their whole relationship mm -hmm. so if she was sorry to just jump in there so if she was joan and he was kinsey yeah, like, yeah. a little bit more, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Interesting. But it's, I mean, yes, but also part of her appeal for me is that she is just not clueless, but the world is just how she wants it to be in. Yeah. No, it's know. good. I mean, she's yeah. in a she's in a better position than, like, a lot of the women that we see. She really is. And she still has, like, unconditional healthy love from her parents. So why she ended up with Pete, I still don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really wonder how that. I mean, we I don't we don't know anything about Peter and and Trudy's 
courtship and what that looked like. But like if Peter's parents are so like concerned about like appearances and money and like legacy, it's like, I wonder did they, did they give him, you know, any kind of trouble when he, you know, he chose to marry Trudy and, and all of that, because the, the implications that I have is that Trudy's parents and it just, it just seems like a new newer money, older money sort of situation. And like maybe not kind of as Mm -hmm. quote unquote, well-bred. I just wonder what Hmm. that. Well, Pete is a second son. Right. Very true. Maybe, maybe Judy is from another um, Gilded Age family. Who knows? Good point. Maybe. But at the same time, do you see anyone that Pete would have somehow managed to choose satisfying his parents? Good point. No, probably not. Unless they picked, unless they picked his partner for him. But, and even then, I, yeah. I mean, probably, but they'd still be like, why do you got to talk to her like that? Yeah. No, nope. fair. So how do we like that moment when uh, Mrs. Campbell just once again, still just endlessly criticizing Pete for being Pete, which is fair. Um, and their potential for adopting a child as opposed to having one, quote, unquote, naturally, and threatening to exclude him, presumably, from inheritance and all that stuff. And Pete getting all kinds of petty about it and revealing this truth that they were trying to hide from her. I just, like, I like that for Pete. He's like, you know what? If you really, if all this is is about, like, an estate, this, like, nebulous wealth that we want to pass down to only like an heir of the bloodline like lady you should know that shit doesn't exist that's all fake like these ideals that you have like that was your husband's idea he was dead and it turns out he was a moron so none of this is real your life is fake bye pee out there's a little bit of tragedy in that too like like i can see how it's like you're all I'm almost like in that moment in isolation, like, okay, good good for you, Peter, for like, you know, standing up for your own kind of potential choices, even though you were, you know, repeating that negativity that you internalized from your parents with um with Trudy earlier. But like with his mom and her kind of the way she's even like ignorant of her own kind of financial situation and, and the not understand or not being privy to the legacy or lack of financial legacy that um, her husband left. It's like, I don't like her, but at the same time, it's almost a little bit kind of tragic and sad in in its own sort of way. Right. That that's how she's given that, that piece of information and that she doesn't even know it. And that, and that butter and Peter, you know, talking about how to keep her comfortable. Yes, that's good. But then, exclude the truth from her and then her like she's like the the stock market that went bad or the real estate market i would have known about this i would have heard because even then bud can't be honest with her and he's you know almost trying to play peacekeeper in that moment i don't know it's it's tough yeah i mean it her life is very sad like i feel a sadness for her situation and Obviously, you can draw lines between, like, her situation. Like, I'm not saying, like, she... I'm I'm, I'm more saying 
she has turned into this like mean lady right because of her situation mm-hmm. right more than i think she deserves her situation because she's a mean lady right and I think right. we've you talked know? about this before, that a lot of her behavior with her terrible husband and having to watch him um, emotionally abuse uh, and favor one child over the other, a lot of it could was just protective, not necessarily good for, for her kids, but, you know, right. what... It's not it like divorce was an option for people of her generation, and it's definitely not like I'm condoning any of it, but a lot of it is very survivalist. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and it's interesting, too, I think, because when we first meet Peter's parents in season one, she is trying to kind of be the bridge or appears to be the bridge in New Amsterdam. What is that episode four, season one? Um between Peter and his dad and then she's seen how this uh, this goes so then she leaves the room right and then it's it's Peter and his dad butting heads but now the dad is gone and it's like she's kind of taking the role of her her late husband mm. and just mm-hmm. you know how like it just it's interesting right how we it's mm. that same same dynamic but different different one of the players is different right yeah um, I forget which one of you said it, but there is something it's it's really gratifying to see Pete in that moment, not being like desperate to make a point or anything or desperate to be heard. Just being like, here's some truth bombs. Bye. I don't need to deal with the fallout. I don't need to try to apologize for it after. I'm just going to peace on out. But it is sad. It does seem to to me require something in him where he finally just accepts that he's not going to have the family that he wants. Yeah. It's like very, he has made, it feels like he's made a decision to either alienate himself further or remain alienated Mm -hmm. from his family and his brother too. He's like, if this is how you want to play it, then like you two like deserve each other kind of, it feels like because I kind of felt like Pete's brother was being kind of decent to him when they have the discussion about adoption in Pete's office earlier mm-hmm. in the day. Because he's like, people do that, and we know the implication. We realize later that the implication is, but not, we don't do that. People can do that, but that's not good enough for us. But before we realize that that's, like, the deeper meaning there, when they're sitting in the office, he says adoption, people do that. He, you know, he he recognizes and acknowledges that be trying and being unable to get pregnant would be disappointing. And he doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say that must be disappointing for Trudy. Mm-hmm. Like, he just says that must be disappointing. Like, he's acknowledging Pete's feelings. He's, he's seemingly being supportive, like, of the idea that people do, you know, participate in adoption in order to you know make families and then I'm like all right so there's some hope for Pete to like have this relationship and then later when it's like oh it just came up and Pete's like how I'm like okay so this brother is not loyal and then he's decides to continue to hide the truth instead of like siding with Pete in his like petty battle with his mom so it's like all right well then you two you deserve each other this enabler thing has been passed on to bud uh yeah, it's a very sad, gratifying, empowering moment for Pete. It actually takes a lot of uh, like courage and and a like some modicum of like insecure of not insecurity of like 
confidence and uh, self-esteem, which is not some not words I would normally apply to Pete. So good for you, buddy. I'm so sorry. And I just wonder if, like, when he basically says to his mom, like, if the objection to adoption has a through line to blood heir to the fortune and we're all acknowledging that that's bullshit now is this pete like coming around to trudy's idea of adopting a baby Hmm. i mean maybe or like could it lead to that i I, potentially but like i don't think it's necessarily if that is the case coming to it for the right reasons right Mm -hmm. well sure right we can all there can only be so much no, fair, fair <laughs> in enough. one episode. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but then, like, just talking about Pete's neediness, then we have him at uh, Harry's baby shower at work, and there's always just some, like, desperation coming off of him when he's trying to, like, talk to Peggy and he's not, you know, showboating and being all weird mm. and full of bravado and all that stuff where he just really seems to want to make a connection to her or have her reach out and I don't know see him or take care of him like I do think because he opens up to her in a way he never does with Trudy Mm -hmm. and this is a little bit the Don thing with his emotional vulnerability as flirting why why always Peggy that's something that I always kind of I think about sometimes because it's almost to a point where he's almost victimizing her with this but I that's not intentional. I don't think he's trying to take her down with it, but it's almost. I yeah, it's it. Why he is doesn't there, know yeah. that he, like he clearly wants a mother, but he doesn't know that she's the mother of his child. Dude, it was like I didn't know that watching this. <laughs> I didn't. That connection didn't. And when it when it when I got there, it hit me pretty hard. Right. But I did not make the mental connection until I was watching the episode for the second time when Peggy hands Pete a piece of cake at the baby shower. I was like, holy shit, y'all have a baby. Someone adopted it. (laughs) Like, that is too much for me right now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's so easy to forget that. And I, even though we talk about, you know, Peggy's baby and all the stuff with uh, Hank's priest and all that stuff. But I, it, nice. there was that moment when when Pete says to Peggy when she's just like, just go home, Pete. And he says, it, everything is so easy for you. And you just see that thing, that thing that Elizabeth Moss can do when she says, you know, just before she says, it's not easy for anyone, Pete. And I'm just like, all right, my heart's broken now. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but Going back to what we were talking about, about why Peggy, Mm -hmm. I wonder if it goes to, obviously there are so many expectations on Pete and Trudy's marriage and relationship, you know, passed down from, you know, everything, both of their families, and just like the general societal expectations of, you know, people getting married and having children and it was a big deal you know what apartment they got and it was a big deal who paid for it and it's all about what things look like so 
he can't bring this brokenness to his wife because then she would be able to like see that it's not what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tracks. And and mm. and when he starts to feel or maybe not feel bad, but makes a comment about saying no to Trudy earlier, it's because he's worried about how he appears to his in-laws, mm-hmm. right? So no, it wasn't, does it make you sad that I can't ever give you the yeah. things that you ask me for? Yeah. It's, do your parents think that I don't give you what you want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep up the appearance, Pete, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, it does track, because Peggy has already seen this awful side of him, and still, I mean, she doesn't just let him get by, and gloss over it or anything like that but at the same time you know it's she's she clearly has a view of who pete is and doesn't treat him terribly or abusively which i realize is a low bar um yeah so i maybe it's to someone like him and what he's been through it's it looks like acceptance and i it's interesting the way that you know we talked about trudy being able to handle pete in a way, to, like, get her what she wants um, most of the time. Some mm. of the time we've seen it happen. Uh, Peggy seems like she can handle Pete, or she does handle Pete, in a way that, like, forces him to deal with his shit, like, a little bit healthier. I mean, obviously, like, the infidelity isn't great, but, you know, she has that conversation. They had the conversation... Uh, about Freddie and Pete's like, you should be thanking me. And I wonder, like, there's potential that her reluctance to be like, this is great. Let's get people fired all the time. Like, he could have maybe reflected on that. Whether he did or didn't, you know, is up to him. But she gave him that opportunity. And she's doing it again here. She's saying, like, it's not easy for anyone, Pete. So it's like, I this is giving Pete way too much credit, but there might be something like subconscious that feels good about someone who like challenges you to like think about mm. maybe becoming a better person. <laughs> I, and like I don't know if Pete could recognize what a better person is, but like maybe it's just something you like feel in your soul. Like this person is challenging me, and mm. maybe there's like some respect that Pete has for Peggy. I think that there has to be because of who Pete is and the way that he talks to her. It's not always like you know badly like um i'm rambling now yeah no it's a very complex relationship because i'm sitting here thinking also peggy doesn't seem to need anything from him or need him to be a certain thing trudy needs a husband that she relies on and who can provide Uh for the family and can get her pregnant and who brings Mm -hmm. his family you know his family into the mix and then you have all these secretaries who you know are beneath him uh, on the on the ladder the corporate ladder and everything and who have to do what he says even if they're Hildy who will make a snide comment about it as she does it but Peggy is proving and has been proving herself as someone as you said who can really challenge him and she doesn't need him you know he offers Mm -hmm. her something that like should be great and she's just like okay cool Well, when she would have needed him in any tangible way like he was poof gone so mm-hmm. you know she's probably just like honestly no <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not doing this and who can blame her <sighs> so was that enough pete campbell for all you guys <laughs> I, I think so yeah 
for now. <laughs> if you want more or less Pete Campbell, email us at at stillgreatpod at gmail. No, just kidding. Okay. I mean, really do email us, but if you want, like, you don't have to talk about us Pete. to talk about Pete more, I don't know if that's going to make you happy for me to be doing. <laughs> and I got an email wrong. So again, it's stillgreatbob at gmail.com or tweet at us at at stillgreatpod on Twitter. I mean, I do kind of have like a, are the Campbells just the Malfoys in a non-magical story? <laughs> but like, we could do that in an email if you want. <laughs> I need to hear that one day. <laughs> Uh, the other on the other end of things, we have um a, a couple that's still trying to act like they're fine and they're not. We start with Betty or with Don waking up in a hotel room with uh, and getting a phone call. Clearly not at a reasonable hour. Was it like ten o'clock? I think. Um, and she just got a call from her brother that their father had a stroke. Three whole days ago. And admittedly, he's walking around talking, quote, unquote, fine, but unable to talk on the phone. Gloria, the, the new mom, won't let him or won't bring him on the phone. And uh, how do we feel about this part of their relationship where Betty still calls Don in a moment of crisis and Don immediately jumps into action to be the one to take care of her? I feel like it reads true right because they've been together a while and it and it's like when you get news like like that or even like when there's some kind of you know big kind of life event that's maybe like you know even something like a wedding more on kind of the the celebratory side of things versus like you know aging parent side of things it's like these these milestone events and like they can be overwhelming and like you don't want to do that or face that alone so you're going to seek out someone to face that with you that you have some kind of emotional connection to good good or bad so like i think it it reads for me that like don would be the first call and i think in some ways with everything else that's going on with their separation again we're talking we've talked a lot about kind of you know betty's restlessness and kind of the the for lack of a better word that i can't think of right now kind of the, the tragedy of like betty draper um who else is she gonna call? i mean francine okay she calls her like to watch the kids but like it's still to take don there but then you have that whole idea again we're talking about like with pete in the last segment about appearances right and like if Dawn doesn't come, she's probably thinking, well, what will my family think of that too? Like it's, yeah, it's complex. If Dawn isn't there, people will ask questions. Francine will definitely ask questions. Yeah. Well, and if you think about Dawn and Betty's marriage, we don't know this for sure, but I kind of feel like if Dawn would have been like, yeah, I had an affair. Like, you are correct. That is a thing that happened. Uh, he could have just said, I'm sorry. Everyone, including Betty, would have known it was a lie. And that's all it would have taken. Uh, this all would have been fine. Because mm. on the surface, it's all smoothed over. We know how reluctant Betty can be to, like, dig super deep into these things. It, she just wants things to, like, look 
and just if it looks a certain way, it is that way. Mm-hmm. And Dawn taking Betty to her parents or to her father's because he had a stroke, because she needs, she's basically like, it was three days ago, nobody called me, now I have to pull, like, a power move to remind people that I'm a member of this family and I need to be included, you know, etc. Don showing up and, like, doing that performance is, like, a main pillar of their marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, Don, you couldn't do this, you he couldn't handle like I'm the way I'm picturing it is like a tree and if 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 the trunk is Dawn taking care of Betty in front of her family, like the leaves were Dawn apologizing for having an affair. And there's right. a lot of stuff in the middle that we maybe haven't gotten to, but it's like their marriage isn't over because of this inability for Dawn to admit that he had the affair. Mm-hmm. It's just in this other weird place. So, you know, now there's there's a big thing, and so we're falling back on, a, you know, we're still married, so the one thing that you have been able to do and can do, apparently, you're doing. Well, and it's the grand gesture, as as you say, right? It, it, it's the big thing. It's, it's the fur coat showing up at Betty's door when, you know, they first were, were starting to date. Like, it's, Don doesn't know how to be present and honest in those kind of like quiet moments again Mm -hmm. like we kind of were talking about with peter and trudy it's peter thinking i just need to like i can't show you who i am i need to just like take care of you and manage my image like that's that's done very much true and it's like don's like oh she needs me this is my big gesture this is like Mm -hmm. the start of like the catharsis right like this is the opportunity he was waiting for for her to accept his pitch to take him Mm -hmm. back right Mm mm-hmm Cause just the way he doesn't, I mean, he's so good at playing the part of the dutiful husband and everything. And I, I do believe there is a part of him where that is genuine and earnest and he loves being that person and is that person. But in his own marriage and his, you know, quiet, like you said, Matt, and the, he's all big gestures in the quiet moments. He can't even be honest enough and say, Hey, our marriage is messed up. It's not that my wife is mad at me and has kicked me out we're current we don't know what we are right now it's things have happened i we're not happy i cheated on her i have cheated on her repeatedly i respect you enough to be honest with you about all of this and to tell you who i am even if i don't really tell you specifically who i am dick whitman (laughs) it's and i i can't say i blame betty at all either because she was so young when they got married and you know, for um, she spent so much of like really important years of her adult adulthood relying on this man, and he was there for her in in the hard in sort of hard moments. Some uh, well, some of them it's he super created. Easy, it's super easy to be a hero in the hard moments mm-hmm. when it when what is needed is for you to physically come pick me up and then stand next to me while I do a thing. Like, it, Don's incapable of being the hero when the heroic thing is, like, admitting that you did something wrong. Like... He's the knight. He can't do it. He can't do that. He doesn't have it in him when, like, the gesture comes from, like, an internal Dawn place. And... Then, oh, uh, and then, uh, let's see, when we get to the house, 
with the family. Don even offers to stay at a hotel so that they don't have to hide that they don't sleep in the same bed. And we have Gloria and we meet William, who is not a testament to his name. <laughs> I don't like William, guys. I don't. That is an actor that I recognize. And like, I just I dislike. This is going to sound bad. Uh, his face. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that, and I'm sure I've seen this person play other characters because they do look very familiar, but it's not, maybe I'll find out that they played another character that I like hated and that's why I don't like his face, but I'm sorry, sir. No, I, what it is, I guess. I totally relate. I only, it took me a long time to like Chris Pine because I didn't like him in Princess Diaries 2. He did a great job with the performance, but the person he played, I did not personally enjoy. Yeah. I I have other Princess Diaries 2 feelings about Chris Pine, but they're all valid. (laughs) (laughs) I getcha. I getcha. Uh, Who else is there? Gloria's there taking care of uh, Betty's father, uh, who. I mean, is, is she really okay? taking care of him, though? Like, is she taking oh. care of him? Or is she just like, merp, 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 you're fine. It's all fine. Everything's fine. Lady, this is not... I mean, I want to give her a lot of credit, actually. Because she finally meets this That's man that nice she says she I loves. And then he has a stroke. And he has a daughter who doesn't like her. And he keeps seeing his dead wife everywhere. To the point where he's grabbing his own daughter. But, like, I I do think she's taking care of him because, like, she's like, well, we have to keep lights off. I don't know why the doctor said it. She's like, uh, William says, Dad, you have to you have to go see a doctor again. She's like, we have an appointment already. (laughs) It's on Monday. Um, You know, he where's Dad? Oh, he's getting dressed uh, on his own. The doctor says that he has to do that on his own regularly for I don't know why. She may not be fully like aware of things or know things um to more detailed level but i do think she's actually just i mean i don't think that necessarily pretending everything's cool is the best thing to be doing but i think she's still trying to make things like not too bad (laughs) for everyone i do think she's trying to take care of him i oh and i get what you're saying and like i want i want to I want to feel that way. But how I feel is like mad about the fact that Betty was sexually assaulted by her own father because of this woman's inability to admit that he's seriously sick. And like, that might be harsh. That is taking a lot of nuance out of the situation. (laughs) But even when it happened, she's like, oh, he's just messed up. Like, okay. At the same time, what else would you have her do, though? I know. I will say the first time that I moved to the ICU, took care of stroke patients, I had a boob grab too, and that's when I knew I was in a new place. It's not great. It's a thing that I won't ever forget. At the same time, you're like, you are a person whose brain is severely injured right now and are not in control. And for someone confused... What ad- atmosphere do you want? I guess it's, it's I mean, I've just, it's just because I've taken care of stroke patients. I, and I know I should be, and this is like a thing that I know that I do is like, I make a decision about something and then I feel that way about it mm-hmm. kind of no matter what else is going on. Um, and that is a fault and I shouldn't <laughs> do it. And not necess- I wouldn't call it a, f- it, but- not necessarily a fault either. And like, what I wish is, I think it, it makes me mad because I had it for a second. <laughs> what I would rather her do 
we'll go back to that and see if something else happens. But what I the what I would have rather her do in this situation is to have been like Betty. He is very ill. Mm-hmm. So like whatever happens, I want you to know that I understand that like he's conf- the fact that she didn't give her any warning to his mental state, and then that she just like brushes it off makes it seem like she would be okay with this behavior if he was in his right mind. Mm-hmm. And I think too, it's it's not just Gloria who's like downplaying Jean's Jean's health, right? Like it's 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 William oh, yeah. and, and like like everything else. Like I like so I think it's worth saying it's kind of like all of them. And mm-hmm. like the the only person who yeah. is like honest with Betty about his Jean's mental her dad's mental state is is Viola, right? Which I, I know that we'll we'll get into in, in, in a bit here. Um but yeah, I, I definitely think like in in the moment I can understand like reacting that way, but I think you didn't they didn't do enough and not just Gloria William, but kind of like everyone didn't do enough to kind of explain where Jean was at with his health, kind of like before and then after. And what's upsetting to me isn't the way it was necessarily handled in the moment. It was then after, like, there's no kind of, like, closing the loop or, or, or follow-up or, like, recognizing what that incident was and what the ramifications of that would be for Betty on multiple levels. And I think that's what's frustrating to me. Well, mm. and did they not call her for three days because they were worried that this was going to happen? Well, and it's not the first stroke, too, right? Like... That's like, like also yeah. parents just do this. <laughs> and I've talked to several people my age with parents who were like, by the way, we went to the ER last month. It's like, what? My parent own parents have done this to be to me before. Yeah, because they want to protect Yeah, because you're yeah, not you're like, you're you know. still the kid. And Gloria again is entering a situation where she's the unliked stepmom. Mm-hmm. They haven't been together that long, and now her new beau is uh, is a stroke. So I mean, like, I don't assume she's exactly someone who can process these things very well herself. So maybe there is some de- yeah. denial. But again, at the same time, she's still making sure he does stuff, keeps him, you know, safe. Uh, tries to make not make him feel bad when he has a moment. Which... Yeah, and I have done the thing where I have decided that she <laughs> is not handling this the way I have handled it, and so therefore she is bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, my least favorite person and how they're dealing with all this is William. I don't yeah. like him. Like, honestly, like, after... I he, I, I was an, a little annoyed by Gloria at first, but just his attitude is what really turned me around on her because he's like no Gloria is doing us a favor basically she's doing us a solid Mm. because I quote I don't want to get stuck with him because I cared enough not to move away which is both a dig well it's not just both a dig it's only just a dig at Betty and it's also this like martyrdom sort of thing that he's doing when really I mean it's just a comfortable situation if he stays around his parents and like is that really why you didn't move away or could you probably maybe not afford to yeah like would you live in new york city if you could because it sounds like you would because you're very he's so resentful yeah (laughs) he's like 
uh, Betty, you know, tries to make a vaguely passive aggressive comment being like, why didn't you tell me, you know, people at the office know all sorts of great doctors. It's kind of like her nice way of saying, like, I would like to have known I can be helpful. And he's just like, mm-hmm. ah, New York, where everything is better. I'm like, dude, we know you want to be there. You and your well, like-, like, yes, doctors in big cities are better than doctors other places. Sorry, <laughs> like. You just have more options. Don't be mad at me about that. I don't know if they're necessarily better. There's just more of them and more specialized, typically. But I hear you. More resources. Yeah. Well, there's like, and there's like choice, too. Mm, Yes. I was going to be like, no one said anything about how it's better. It's just like, I can also be helpful. And that was about Betty. And then uh, William has to make that comment out like it's some dig against all of them mostly him just don't like that guy yeah and i mean the worst this is this is silliness and jokes this is not the worst thing about him but the worst thing about william is that he uses that window like a door which is like <laughs> a prime rule in my family's household at my parents because i got caught sneaking out of the house one time in high school and i we had had like full-size like skinny windows like I kind of like that, that I used to take the screen out of and then like, crank open <laughs> and then just step on right through, like no crouching even involved. And like, I will never forget my dad screaming at me about how disrespectful it was when there's a front door on the house for me to use a window to sneak out. And like, I am 29 years old. And every time my dad goes to bed before me when I'm in their house, he looks me in my eyes and is like, windows aren't doors. <laughs> <laughs> Do not leave the house. Yeah, so, he's just like a fucking teen. <laughs> uh, I do like that Gloria immediately, like after talking to him, she's like, why is that window open? And she goes to close it. But, you know, he's uh, he's something. He's definitely something. He's just like, stop being mean to Gloria because she's doing what we, we don't want to do. We want to pawn him off on mm-hmm. her. Like, buddy. Ugh. Don't be gross about it. Yeah. Uh, and then, because I mean, we get several v- small, big and small clues that, despite the fact that physically her father, their father's fine, he's able to move around. There's like nothing, you know, he's not having any weaknesses or anything. He still seems like capable of doing his own things, like, uh, like getting ready in the morning, being presentable for guests, uh, and seemingly have totally fine conversations except the moments of disorientation that creep in where he thinks that Betty is his wife and he's kind of gross. And uh, we see her be super um, relieved at first that he seems like he's he's fine because that's her dad, you know, And, and we've seen so many times in the past that she really idolizes him where the her mother was so hard on her in some incredibly warped idea of what she thought was good parenting he was the one Mm -hmm. who's like tried to take care of her and and build her up and all that stuff but i just it just broke my heart all those moments Mm -hmm. when she realized that this man not looks like her father but yeah. Well, it's like a reminder of like something else that she's losing or lost, right? Because like mm-hmm. last season, we she's still dealing with the loss of her her mother and the complexity in that relationship. She is separated from her husband, and now her dad is 
in in uh, mental decline, right? Mm-hmm. So. The men around her are she can't rely on them. She can't rely on them. Um, the whole time because like my you know I'm not in the same such situation as Betty, but my father also has some cognitive decline himself. You know, was a man who prides his intelligence and who's just a good dude. Dad's a good man, um, but incredibly. You know, he just says forgetful, but it's increasingly going to, you know, I'm very aware that it's going to be increasingly be more than just like the date. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I was reading a fantastic book called Interior China earlier this year by Charles Yu, who is one of the writers on Westworld. Um, oh, shit. Yes. I did not know that. Fantastic, strange, beautiful book. Um, and there was one line in it that I really took to heart and kept thinking about when it was just watching Betty visit her her parents or her dad. It says, he'd always be your father, but he somehow was no longer your dad. Oh. I know. My heart. I know. And that, it just like kept seeing that over and over again. And like you guys mentioned, like, yes. Not super great the way that, like, emotionally Gloria is dealing with everything and it's not helpful to anyone else around her. But there was that moment when Viola, who's like the maid nanny for uh, presumably for for Betty when she was younger and, and who she obviously has a lot of affection for, is just like, your dad's sick. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like finally she had permission to accept, to process it, accept it, and to think about what it means you know she's an or- she said she's an orphan which presumes that her father's dead not just her mom you know not just sick not yeah. just unwell he's dead he's not her dad yeah and like viola basically gave her permission to not like dwell on it i guess because mm-hmm. she's saying like you take care of your children and you take care of your husband like everything is gonna everything's fine like outside of this the things that he gave to you are not going away you know Mm -hmm. because he's ill you know you have other things now you have a a, you have not another family but you have more family that needs your attention now so Viola kind of gave her the permission to like believe that if that's what she needs to like kind of get over what has happened here yeah. And what will be happening with her father in the future? Mm-hmm. Someone actually being honest about the state of mm-hmm. things for once to Betty. Which And that she tragic. says it just so matter of factly and Betty mm-hmm. is so immediately grateful for it. I think that's another thing that's like really putting me off of Gloria, just in contrast. <laughs> yeah, Gloria's not a great parent, but she never had to have been one. Well, it's not her kid. Like, these children are grown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just another instance of people not quite being super honest and respecting Betty's ability to understand what's going on. Although, Mm -hmm. Gloria, she just may not also fully process it, too. We don't actually know. I don't think we, like Matt said, got maybe enough or effective enough of a display of what's going on there Mm -hmm. but it is a 45 minute show i guess one of the hardest things about you know dealing with someone who is physically there but the mental stuff is um 
you know, the sort of invisible diseases and everything. Uh, that probably just makes it all the harder for Betty because I just really want to harp on how hard life is for Betty and how strong she is, despite, you know, with all of this that she deals with. He's still her dad. I mean, he's not, I just said that he's not her dad anymore, but he still has those moments where you can see who her dad was. Mm-hmm. Like when he is talking to Don and they're doing the puzzles and maybe he's been polite in the past about how he doesn't like this dude. He doesn't trust this dude. He's, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you're hurting Don's feelings. And he's just like, who knows what he does and when he does. And he, you know, Betty comes in and he's like, he has no people. You can't trust a person like that. He's not going to try to sugarcoat anything. What do you think that means? What do you think it means? What do you think? uh, What do you think his father sees or thinks? What do you think Betty sees or thinks or feels when she hears that? I think it affects both of them probably fairly profoundly because like again like we, we've talked about it especially like as the episode goes on Betty comes to the realization that her dad's not really her her dad anymore as 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 we've talked about but like at that point in the episode she's still learning about kind of you know where where Gina's at with his health and in some ways, like a comment like that is going to affirm for Peggy everything she's or Peggy sorry affirm for betty excuse me kind of everything that she's feeling about don that led to their their separation right Mm -hmm. so it 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 probably stings in that respect and then for for don even though he compartmentalizes to a very unhealthy degree um it probably hits him at a couple different levels because again it's that that reminder of what he's running away from and then I mean, I can't help but assume that any kind of like angry old man reminds him of his dad. Mm. Reminds him of Ar- Ar- Archie. Oh. Was that his name? Archie Whitman, like who he name checked at the bar with with Roger. Archibald. Whitman. Arch- yeah, yeah, right. So, it's there's there's layers there, guys. It's an onion. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, talking about you know. Betty's new relationship with her father, you know, going forward um, and the ways in which, you know, he, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, the ways in which, like, he's still her father, but he's not her dad, like uh, Annie mentioned. Um, She says to Don when she tells him he needs to leave, like, I know how you feel about grieving. And I love this line so much i'm obsessed with the fact that she says this you love to see it she knows she's like i am upset i and she doesn't say like i'm upset because you still won't admit what you did she says like i know how you feel about grieving listen i'm gonna be working through some shit and i know that you don't want to be here for it because you've told me that you didn't so bye Mm -hmm. and like her realizing what she needs and actually saying it and like making space for herself in her own damn house to feel her feelings Oh, I just, I you love to see it. And, like, obviously we know later in the episode she's not, like, 100% making great choices. But, like, I love this line. Mm. I just keep remembering how people, how a lot of things were like, wow, this parole was so perfect for January Jones because she's so cold and steely in it. And is she? No, I don't think like- so. This is a lot of, this is just, she's just not hysterical and cozy. She is 
finding this ability to not have to try to make everyone around her feel better about what she feels and who she is. And that's kind of awesome. And Don doesn't infuriatingly, understand. No, he doesn't says, understand I think the I difference. Be. Yeah. He doesn't think I should be. He says, I think I should be here for you. I want to be here. You need me. He's like, does she? Does she? Yeah. Well, and she's like, he says, I think that I, you know, should be here for you. And she's like, oh, that's your reason? Like, you think that you need to be here for me because you have been here for me through so many things. And you're such a supportive husband. <laughs> and I get so much emotionally from being around you. Yeah. Like it's a he, great reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, he thinks so little of her and her own inner strength and ability to handle things that not only does he have to protect her from, like, her own pain for whatever she's going through now, she she can't handle the truth about who he is and who she married. It's like, no, that's that's, uh, that's called missing the point Don is good at missing the point well and, and he totally misreads like everything right like like because as you're talking about before he thinks this is his his kind of ticket back home and just the way he like walks in and he's like oh yeah I'm gonna go take a shower now we're home get like get the dust of the road off me um Right. And just kind of his his assumption there that because of what happened the night before or a couple nights before, that that was catharsis and reconciliation and not Betty just seeking some kind of physical and emotional like comfort in the moment that didn't necessarily promise kind of reconciliation at all. And like Don is just kind of like hit by like a Mack truck because he there's the same thing to him and he thinks okay i did all the things i was supposed to i can go take a shower in this house now and that's definitely not the case Mm -hmm. like buddy you didn't actually talk i don't know if you missed that right and like like that it's it was interesting how that whole kind of sequence went down with you know again betty has the bed don's sleeping on the floor and then betty comes down to him and it's almost like at the time when i was like first watching it i had not some trouble orienting myself i was like wait is this is this a dream is this Mm. real because she just kind of like appears and you see like the hand coming up like rising you know on his chest and like (laughs) i did the same thing there's something about the lighting too yeah um where just it seemed almost unreal just like a by a degree yeah, and, and we've talked about before how like Madman itself, the subconscious is 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 never far from from the surface and like the dream logic of the show sometimes. So but yeah, it was definitely at play there for sure. And Melissa in the notes you have something I'm really excited to hear hear more about, kind of about that whole um yeah. moment. So um the morning after well, for one, it, the the fact that she wasn't sleeping the fact that she I this is how I feel like she went to bed and like her husband is there and she loves him and we know she wants him and we can see that she's not sleeping I just felt like I could like feel the like tension in her body like being near him but like not and like having to like make an actual choice to like get near him it's not like they can like fake cuddle because she like put him on the floor or whatever um so I just I really really felt that tension of like that decision even if it is dreamlike um 
I was taking it like very literally because I was like stressed for her <laughs> to be in this position. Um, but like the morning after, you first see that like Dawn is still laying on the floor and I assumed that it was going to pan over and she was going to be there. And I had this thought of like, oh, she like went down to him on the floor, like instead of having this experience and bringing him up like bringing him up to mm-hmm. her he like drug her down to the floor like to his level and then it's like she's not even there like you're still you're still at the bottom sir and you are alone <laughs> like this did not fix your problems <laughs> and then like i have thoughts about that like later in the episode but that was like very striking to me because i thought like oh like betty is going down to like don's level to fix this problem but like no she's not she's just not participating. It's just for Betty. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if we're married and we haven't seen each other in months and, like, you're hot, but I don't like you and you're sleeping on the floor, like, yeah, I'll go down there <laughs> for a minute. Sometimes you just need a cuddle when your dad has <laughs> had a stroke and your brother is terrible and your stepmom Like, I'm sorry. This family sucks. Separated. And, like, I got too much on my mind. Like, I can't sleep like this. <laughs> well, and it's like her childhood bedroom probably too, right? Like, it's just- <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, despite the fact that Don has repeatedly been awful, he has also been there for her and tried taking care of her most of the time, at least. And at least can feign support really well. So if Mm -hmm. nothing else, that probably feels kind of nice and a little inviting, at least briefly. Well, yeah. And like, she's like, well, he can just have sex with whoever he wants. Who gives shit? So, so can I, sorry, it's you this time. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, Betty. But yeah, I mean, and we've seen her in the past, not, you know, have a very good outlet for all these feelings she had. And they may have before manifested in less than, uh, (laughs) what what were functional (laughs) um, relationships with 12-year-olds? So Creepy Gwen. So I was doing, like, I've never quite before we started this kind of rewatch and this whole project, like I never quite got my head around the Betty and Glenn stuff. Right. And like, and I forgot he came back this, this episode. So I was like, okay, I'm, I need to like dive into it. So I was like, I, I cracked out my Mad Men tome by, by Matt Zoller sites. Um, it's like, what, what does Matt, what does the other, the other much smarter Matt have to say? And what I have here in the notes basically is, is, is plagiarized almost word for word thematically from him. But what he was arguing is that the Betty and Glenn thing specifically, like at least in this episode is this idealized relationship for both Betty and Glenn and what, what Zola Seitz identifies as the woman girl in Betty and then the boy man in Glenn. And then he extrapolates to how, while Glenn is like a literal child, Don in some ways is like the inversion of like the man boy. And then, you know, so it's that idea and we can get into it before about, you know, the, the, some of the, the, the parallels about the kind of Glenn as Don, Don as Glenn thing. But bef- 
to kind of as a guide into that, I want to ask you both a question. Who, when Polly's barking, going nuts, Betty goes out to see who's in the PLHOUSE pony. And do we think that Betty was expecting to find Don in the playhouse or did she not know or, or what? What do we think she was looking for? I couldn't begin to tell you. <laughs> I think I definitely thought, I, I think I definitely, um, I think I thought there's no way it's Don. That would be kind of dumb. But <laughs> as for what Betty was thinking, uh, I don't know. She may have just like thought uh, the dog is trying to get another squirrel. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe it's a pigeon. Maybe she needs to get out her BB gun and shoot more pigeons. <laughs> Another pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a very uncomfortable relationship that I, I, thankfully I don't think they ever tried to fully justify or uh, excuse. It makes me so deeply uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. My notes say, yikes, I hate it so many times. <laughs> Specifically when he like comes down and she's like, oh, that's sure. I'm like, don't put Glenn in Don's clothes. That's weird. I hate it. And yeah. then when they're like holding hands. Don't on, hold hands. I hate it. It's like, it's like uh, they're sipping on their Cokes and watching cartoons next to each other. Deeply uncomfortable. But at the, Oof. I mean, I... I'm not saying I get it, but like I imagine, you know, a lot of it is just like this is something simple and honest and pure and one dimensional and yeah. something that she does not have in a relationship with Don. It's probably a relief. Yeah. But then Glenn also wants to save, be the one to save her too. It's just that. So it's like this is not, they are on two different pages, which like a fucking course they are. He's a kid, but. Oh, I just, when he's like, I came here to rescue you. I'm like, please bury me in this hole. I have to stop watching this. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's kind of when the like, again, to go back to the dream thing, the like dreamer idealization of the, the simpleness of fantasy has different connotations of like the idyllic or how Betty's receiving this kind of like idyllic kind of thing dynamic whatever every any word i keep thinking of like fantasy relationship has these like adult connotations that like i don't think is at play here but like it's really uncomfortable to watch anyways uh, do you think that he like doesn't have because like i kind of take i don't like he's a kid so he doesn't have like the understanding like the full implications of like what he's saying but like I do think that he thinks that he is on some grown man shit. Yeah, I think they're playing. Yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. they're playing house for sure. Like, like I think. So does she just not realize that he feels that way, or is she just fine with that like disconnect between how they're both envisioning this like scenario? I think she's fine with it to a certain point, and then she realizes that it's not sustainable, yeah, and that's when she calls Helen. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I just wish that she was just like squicked by it on the surface, but like we can't all, we, we're not, nobody's all things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like she finally understands what it means to him. Yeah. Cause like she, she saw his comic books with all his heroes and Superman and everything. And he's saying, talking about, you know, how he's like, he, I have money. We can run away together. You're like, no, sweetie, you don't. You don't have money. You have lunch money. Oh. Um, 
But and I don't. Oh, so do you think this just occurred to me? Do you think if all the stuff with Don hadn't happened, if she hadn't, you know, called him out uh, and was still living in denial and he was, you know, they weren't separated. Do you think she would have had that recognition that this is an inappropriate thing, that this is something that should be stopped? Do, or do you think she would keep it going longer? No, that's that's interesting. I because she was already tried someone else tried to save her earlier in this episode with a chivalric gesture about what he thought she needed and went down and that's kind of what Glenn thinks he's doing too and with the comic mm-hmm. books and like saving her and being the hero and Betty's like this is nice but I don't need saving yeah no I like that I like that read yeah what do we think then I guess let me throw the let me answer the question with a question then what do we think about then that scene where like when Glenn finally goes home, Sally is home and kind of watching all of that, that idea. Like it's like that, a very, um, great Gatsby eyes of Dr. TJ Eckelberg kind of moment. What did we think about that? I really loved it. I loved, mm. um, even though I don't, you know, necessarily know how it'll play out. I do love that Sally who has, you know, idolized her her dad this whole time got to see a moment where her mom got to be a mom you know like in a in a a true sense where she's like she set a boundary she made this kid do something that he didn't want to do that he you know tells her that she that he hates her but it was the right thing and then maybe later on she sees that Helen and her were bonding later but I thought it was um uh, intentional moment of just like this is this is the example that Sally has now of a woman yeah because he's like I hate you and she's just like I know like your negative feelings towards me don't are not moving me in any way and I think that mm-hmm. that's like really important for like Sally to see like it's fine for people to hate you it's fine just do the right thing yeah I yeah I really liked it and then I liked also, that that wasn't where it ended. I liked that they had saved some time for Helen to come in and be like mm-hmm. ready to yell at her, be like, "This isn't inappropriate. This isn't good at all." And Betty being like, "Yeah, it isn't." So, this is also how things are going, and this is why it happened uh, on my part, uh, where we have something in, in common, and this is why it's happening with your son, and maybe you should deal with it mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it was nice to see them come back together as friends who kind of get each other because I, yeah. I did like that still better than Francine <laughs> um two things about when Glenn is still at the house mm-hmm. um I think it's notable that Glenn asks her like are you gonna eat and she just happily picks up her sandwich and takes a bite of it but when Don told her she needed to eat she basically was like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> um and then every get, interaction like, the- with Don is so loaded now yeah, yeah. Well, because she, I, I don't even remember exactly what she says. But she, Shut up, Don. Nobody's watching. Like, oh my god, oh. the spice. I love it. Um, but also, so about like the Betty and Don on the floor thing. So we see Glenn in Don's like clothes and his uh. t-shirt sitting on the couch, and then Sally in her little dress laying on the floor while they're like watching and like it's not exact but it's just like a warped like Alice in Wonderland parallel of mm. the Betty and Don thought that I had 
earlier, like Sally, uh, <laughs> like the potential for like Sally to inherit this like ability to be like dragged down by men from her mother, <laughs> or by her father, frankly. True. Well, and it's like just the specter of like this relationship, you know. Yeah. The imbalance of it all. Sally's a precious child and no one will ever hurt her. Okay, bye. So precious. She's so cute. (laughs) She with her little lisp. Oh God. It's adorable. It really is. Um, okay. So Oh, I love when Helen tells Betty the hardest part is realizing that you're in charge. <laughs> Betty's face is like, yikes. <laughs> that is, oh, sh- that is oh, a very shit. real statement. <laughs> I have a moment great. a lot. <laughs> uh, there's like a, you know, just like I guess a meme or just like a text funny that floats around online sometimes that it's like. Uh, when you like need an adult and you realize that you are an adult, <laughs> isn't someone gonna do something about this? Oh, fuck! <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But I mean, we have seen like Betty be very childlike for so many of these first two seasons, and instead of sort of cowering, I I'm looking forward to see what she does with that because already she's so shown in just like the past like what two three episodes so much growth as this person Mm -hmm. who has been able to do it this whole time i don't know if this would be unpopular but i okay so one thing about me is like i get very attached to things and i do not want them to change and so like <laughs> even though don and betty's relationship is bad like i really want it to still be happening like i still really ship them um because that was the first thing that was presented to me and I, now i'm very attached to it and i want it to happen um okay so now that that's out of the way <laughs> when when Helen says like the hardest part is learning that you know that you have to be in charge so like realizing that you have to be in charge and then being in charge is like a very power empowering thing and I would love to see it it would make me really happy for Betty to like realize that that's a thing that she's capable of and she could fully do it on her own that's great also there's a reason that people draw together. Because it is hard to be the one person in charge. And the, the good thing about being in a couple or a throuple or whatever relationship, uh, if it's healthy, if you are not comfortable being the one in charge, you don't have to. If you mm-hmm. are in a relationship that supports, you know, that aspect. And so I, I kind of wonder if if that realization could be like a thing. Thing where Betty realizes maybe I do want to be with my husband and maybe we can like figure this out so that if I'm so deeply uncomfortable being in charge maybe she will be maybe she won't be if she is this is a potential avenue for like her and Don to like also go forward together yeah it'd be a good um growing opportunity for them to actually figure out a, an equal partnership equal mm-hmm. respectful partnership totally don't blame you because again they are beautiful together they have these two beautiful kids uh who don't know yet that their dad doesn't live there anymore and like when their relationship like has moments of like breakthrough like working it's it's great and i you know (laughs) 
yeah, they have chemistry. And I think I said it earlier. I do think that there's something in Don and his investment in the relationship that's real and genuine. And it would be nice. And I mean, sometimes the hardest path is to take the one of reconciliation and figuring things out together instead of being like, well, mm -hmm. we tried. I got the house. Bye. But uh, whichever way she goes, I, I'm very looking forward to see her recognize what she is capable of and that she can actually be the stronger one in the relationship. It's not just Don, not all resting on Don and his beautiful broad shoulders. <sighs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the other guys? Just uh, like quickly. Really? Yeah, really quickly. Just I want to talk about the other Joan. I have like one thing. Um, <laughs> Go for it. When Don is like, send Kenzie a memo. <laughs> saying he doesn't get to California. And she goes, I'm going to go tell him in person in front of everyone, everyone in this company. Yeah. While I think laugh. that's what I'll do. And it's going to be amazing. And you know what? It was. <laughs> she does it so, just so straightforward and clean, too. It's just like a nice cold kill. Just like, oh, are they at home? Yeah, no one's ever going to be able to accuse her of doing this maliciously. But I know and you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still hate that Don was just like, I'm going to take over this trip. Yeah, Don, Joan will you know, make oh, it happen. Running. Bye. He's being done. He's running. Right? Like, California is a Yeah, not a, not a permanent run. Just a, t just a small run. <laughs> right? Because, like, he, he, he had his grand gesture. So he thought he was going to come home, have a shower, was kicked, basically kicked out again in his perception. He goes back to the office. The idea, they're celebrating, you know jennifer crane's pregnancy and harry's in the bonnet and they're having a party and it's like kind of like a they're a all telling him that his life is over happy exactly. birthday <laughs> don thinks he's again being king shit and remembering the reception desk the woman's name works at the reception reception desk and he gets it wrong and he's just out of sorts so like he doesn't have his actual family something's weird at work ever since you know his secretary you know, gotten, you know, his partner left his wife to date his secretary. So he's feeling off kilter at work. So he's going to run to California. He is a boy running away looking for a playhouse. Well done. Oh, uh, one thing, though, one bright side silver with silver lining is that he did allow Kinsey to have his grand gesture moment and tell Sheila, his black oh. girlfriend, that like, hey, I thought about it. And you're right. Such a I don't thing. need to go tell You know what? I would love to be mad at him for doing <laughs> that. But like. Anyone I feel like who's ever been in a relationship with me is going to be like, you would do that same shit, you slimy motherfucker. Because if there's one thing I love, it's the fucking easy way out. <laughs> because now he doesn't have to be embarrassed and be like, oh, this was so important to me that I blew you off and it literally ain't shit. And now I don't, <laughs> now I don't get to go. Well, but I, and I think it works. No, so, it's really bad. And I am a grown levels. up and I would not yeah. do anything like that at this point in my life. But like, I see how <laughs> it happens. <laughs> and you're like, uh, this opportunity has presented itself. Totally. Why? But I do think there is a difference between like 
something like that and like scales plus like you know going with your partner to the south to agitate for civil rights to sh- like again it, it 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 proves that kind of kinsey's performativeness right but i i hear you about the easy way out yeah I mean, like, the stakes are, the stakes are very high for what this, like, means to his relationship. Yeah. Mm. But I'm just like, oh, nobody's, and the thing is, is, like, it's that thing about nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. no, he's, he's not going to get caught doing this. And yeah. that is, like, the temptation. And that is what I try so hard to, like, not do. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's that's like, the episode, though, right? The the easy yeah. thing that no one will see. <laughs> yeah. Although he did get called out for it in front of people because she's asking him she was asking him in the elevator in front of Hollis, the elevator yep. operator, and the two people yep. behind him, like, did you even plan to go down to me with the South? Yeah. And like Hollis didn't even blink at the fact that like Kinsey just walked in, just told him to call him Paul and said, Hey, this is my black girlfriend Sheila. But <laughs> when she talks about the protest, he's like, I'm looking, I'm listening. Even the two people behind him didn't seem to like bat an eye either, though. But they kept, I kept seeing some some glances together. But otherwise, they seen on face. That's not important. I mean, but... Sheila's never getting invited into Sterling Cooper again. That's <laughs> just a fact. <laughs> uh, I do think it was really interesting. Uh, one of those like lines they like to drop in reference to uh, other things when Kinsey tells Sheila on the phone, "No one's been shot lately." Ugh. Cool. Uh, that's Kenzie, probably not I... going to pay out anywhere at all and then uh we cut to him on the bus being that that white dude surrounded by a bunch of brown faces and like one billy you know buddy holly looking dude in the back and he's just like talking about i don't know marxism or something which fair but at the same time you're like why are you the one talking right (laughs) why is it you (laughs) kinsey like in the 60s in the 2000s and in the 2020s, we still see this, these scenes. We still, like, this exhausting. is... exhausting. <laughs> Kinsey. But, yeah. So, bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Um, <clears throat> I just really liked the title, and I wanted to, like, shout it out. The, not all the titles, like, work for me on, like, multiple levels, but this one did because it's The Inheritance, and so, it, you know, it's very easy to draw those connections, and I'm a simple gal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if anybody, like, that's not super thought-provoking. I just wanted to, we sometimes shout out the titles. I wanted to do it because I like this one. Um, okay, gotta appreciate a thing when you like it. Yeah, and then I was just curious about, because we broke down, this is like inside baseball a little bit, we broke down our discussion based on uh, the two families, the Campbells and the Drapers. We normally break it down by specific character, Um, and I just kind of wondered if we would have done that, broken down by character um, in discussion, would we have specifically made time to talk about Dawn in this episode? Because uh, we kind of made it a point two episodes ago. It was the first time we didn't categorize Don on his own. And I'm kind of thinking maybe we wouldn't have in this episode either. And I just, like, think it's interesting to maybe track that. Because um, it's late in the second season. And so they're like, let's, like, Don can just back burner for, like, a hot second. I don't know. I just thought that it would be interesting to acknowledge and maybe think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is kind of nice not having to center Don on everything, doesn't? Isn't it? As like complicated and 
like ever present if he doesn't start doing some introspection like he's going to stop being interesting to me (laughs) yeah for all the complexity if he's just gonna keep being done like if uh, you make these choices that create drama and like drama is fun to watch but like the show is really about like why and how people are going about their lives and like if he's just gonna keep doing the same shit i'm like we get it (laughs) you can do that in the background (laughs) Uh, i've been re-watching avatar the last airbender uh and there was one episode where they saw a fortune teller and one of the characters who's uh, ostensibly like the goofball character of the the main original trio and this fortune teller she just comes in and looks at his face and goes i don't even need to tell your fortune it's i can see it clearly you're gonna live a life of like suffering and uh, it's gonna be mainly self-inflicted oh bummer city (laughs) oh maybe that's dawn it like it isn't not dawn (laughs) all right Uh, i like this episode i I like it a lot it's not shocking to see marty noxon's name as a credited writer here Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a limb and say and agree. It was good. Yeah, yeah, good, good episode. Um, okay, so, um, in the meantime, where can we find you on the internet? I have another podcast called The Daily Nightly. What? Gay. It is about Jane Austen. Me and one of our friends, Jesse, are currently reading through all the Austen books and trying out a bunch of adaptations just because uh they're great and you can also uh, you can check that out at thedailynightly.com you can also find me on pop artery on twitter and on instagram can't believe you have another podcast that i knew nothing about you're gonna be real shocked when i do mine <laughs> what you have another podcast too <laughs> where can i listen to it well, you can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M E double L double O Yellow. And you can find me as the co host of the Wild Pretty Things podcast, where we have talked a lot about Marty Noxon because we started as a Sharp Objects recap show. <laughs> Matt, we're going to find you on the interwebs. You can find me on Twitter at, at Mattyhue, M A T T Y H U G H. You can also find me on. The One True Podcast, which is the podcast, well, that we're recording right now and respectfully you're listening to right now. Thank you, listener. You can't see me, but I'm waving and giving you the thumbs up. You can email all three of us together. Let us know how much Pete Campbell is too much Pete Campbell. Or do you want more Pete Campbell? Email us at at stillgreatbob at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at at stillgreatpod. Please rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Tell your friends. Tell them. And <laughs> tell them. Exciting news that we didn't mention in the op- opening, which you probably heard in the opening. We have a new theme song. So thanks to DJ Empirical. We appreciate you and our new intro and outro. Thank you again. You're the best. Uh, to celebrate our new theme song, I'm going to put the whole thing at the end so you can all boogie to it as we have been doing while it's been worked on. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Bye.